Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, for the strength of your kingdom, the unshakable kingdom, its foundations are sure. God, we give you glory today. And Lord, in the midst of the shakings in the nations, God, we just declare that, that your kingdom reigns forever and ever. God, as the kings of the earth take counsel together and desire to cast your bonds from them, God, your kingdom shall remain. Lord, you have set your king on your holy hill in Zion. God, you have a plan and you have a purpose and it will prevail, God. We thank you, Lord, that there is a sure foundation to our faith. God, they're not empty promises. You are the God who speaks and then fulfills. You speak and then you fulfill. And I thank you, God, that these are the days. These are the days, oh God, that as darkness increases, as it's maturing, God, your righteousness is maturing in your saints. God, your glory will be released. The knowledge of your kingdom and power will be released once again, even in greater measures than the book of Acts, God. So Father, we say here we are. God, I ask that for each one of us, God, you would empower us with faith and hope to believe, God. Lord, I ask in each one of us, God, you would help us. God, put to death the things of our flesh. God, every, every, any thought in our mind that partners with the accusation of the enemy, God, I just ask in Jesus' name, give us grace to cut it off. God, that we would have our eyes fixed upon you and not fixed upon each other. Not accusing the brethren, God, but uplifting and encouraging and emboldening the brethren. Because, God, this is it. We are, your, we are the ones, God, that you have chosen to release your light and kingdom and power into the darkness of these last generations, God. So, Father, empower us. I ask you, God, Holy Spirit, that you would come and release encounters all across this room. God, young and old, you promised in the last days you would pour out your spirit. So God, pour out your spirit in this place. Release dreams and visions and encounters. We thank you, God. And I'm, I'm, I'm just seeing a picture. I, I saw it during worship. This is for all of us, but it's, it's an interesting picture. When a dog is wounded, what does it do? It begins to lick that wound over and over again, and it cannot heal if it's licking its own wound. You gotta put a cone around its neck so it'll leave that thing alone. And we gotta get <laughs> a holy violence Right? If we feel wounded inside, we have to allow the Lord to heal those places. We don't want to walk around with wounds that we just keep licking over and over again. It's never going to heal, guys. 
We need friends around us to help put that cone around our neck and say, stop it. Stop tending to that wound. Jesus is the healer and he can heal you. I need that. We all are wounded in different ways, guys, and we have to allow the Lord to heal us. He is the healer. We don't wanna keep tending our wounds and licking them over and over again. It's not gonna work for where he wants to take us. So Father, I just ask for that holy violence inside, God, as we, if any wounds that we feel, God, Lord, that we would come to you, our healer, God, that we would say, I'm not gonna tend to this thing again and again and just lick it over again and again. God, I'm gonna allow you to bring healing. I'm gonna believe that you truly are a healer and that I can be transformed. That this thing, this pain, this hurt that I have felt for so long, it can and it shall be healed. That you are enough to bring healing to that place in my heart, God. Father, that we would arise as lovers, and not wounded warriors, God. So healer of hearts, come and heal us. Restore us. Give us a holy violence to allow you to do the thing that you do. You heal, God. We bless your name today. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Don't make Scott bake. Don't. You know I'd go straight to the store and buy all those pies just straight out of the refrigerator. You know I would. And yes, my contribution to our small group meal every other week is Grippos. But hey, everyone enjoys a good Grippo. Amen? So don't, don't be knocking on that too much. Praise God. What a good morning. Grab your Bible and uh, get it out and have it open. And I want you to turn to uh, Matthew in chapter 5. No. Excited for what the Lord has given us to have today in his word. So Matthew chapter 5. Amen. So as you're turning there to that, um, kind of just want to give you a little, uh, little background here, but Three weeks ago, I believe it was on October, October 1st, uh, I started this series on, on the Sermon on the Mount, and, um, and basically on that Sunday, I preached the introduction to, to the full sermon, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, and, and basically it being those three chapters, Jesus' message being a blueprint for living out a kingdom lifestyle. And then, but I wanted to give the highlights of that, of that sermon. Obviously, every word, every word in there is important. But to, to kind of have a scope, when you look at the Sermon on Mount, there's kind of three key areas. The first area is the Beatitudes, the eight Beatitudes in, in uh, verse 1 through 12 of chapter 5. So here he says, here's a blueprint of how you're going to live as my disciples. And then he gives... Uh, in the sermon, he gives six temptations to resist because he knows where we're going to struggle, right? 
He's so good. So here's what I want your life to look like. Here's some things you're going to have to overcome on this journey. And then to help us overcome the temptations uh, in, in chapter 5, 21 through 48, then he gives five kingdom disciplines that we're to be engaged in in our walk with him that will empower us to live out the Beatitudes, and to be able to resist these temptations. And those five kingdom disciplines are in chapter 6, verse 1 through 18. I shared those with you in each of them what they were in the introduction, but probably in the weeks to come I'll go into more detail on the temptations and on the on the disciplines. But So that was the introduction on Sunday, October 1st. And then I went in on Wednesday nights, the last three Wednesday nights, and I, I taught... Um, uh, on part one, two, and three on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, breaking down these eight Beatitudes in depth. Because we read them, I feel like, and, you know, we, we, we know, you know, meekness and pure in heart, but it's like, what's that, what's that really mean? And so, um, it, so those are all out there. So if you've not been here and you've missed, we'll make sure we get those labeled properly on the website. But I'm telling you, God has us here. He has us in this, this his heart of the Sermon on the Mount, of what our lifestyle that he's called us into is supposed to look like. He challenged us to read this every day through October. And so if you haven't, I encourage you, just begin to do it. Take that time. You'll, you'll just be absolutely amazed at what he unfolds every day that you read it. And so that's kind of where we've landed at. So today is going to be Sermon on the Mount Part 4. And I want to, I want to uh, uh, expand a little bit and go a little bit in depth into what it looks like to be the salt and the light. So let's read a little bit, Matthew chapter 5. Let's just get it, get it fresh, Dennis. Let's go to verse 1, if you would, with me, please. Matthew and chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain. Jesus, when he, when he uh, was seated, his disciples come to him. And then he opened his mouth and he taught. So he's, one, we need to understand, he's not... He, he's, he's sharing these things. Like, here's the direction for believers, for born-again believers. Here's what I'm calling you into. And then he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. This is spiritually mourning, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they um, shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're going to be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for you'll obtain mercy. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart. Um, when I taught on that a week or two ago, I, I gave three key areas. When you say, when you're looking at pure heart, three areas to look at is morals, motives, and methods. Are my, are my morals pure? Are my methods pure? Um, and, and, um, uh, and my motives. So morals, motives, methods. Blessed are the pure in heart. You're going to see God. You're going to encounter God. You're going to continue to experience more of him. And then blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice 
and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for uh, so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we covered these again, the last three Wednesday nights. Go in and listen to them, and, uh, and, and uh, they'll minister to you. I know they, they sure have me. So today, here we are. And I want to talk about this passage here uh, about being salt and light. So that's what we're going to tap into today mainly is chapter uh, verses 13, 14, 15, and 16. So putting that together, I want you to look at this. Uh, because after calling us to respond, to respond and to live by these eight beatitudes being the, the core a foundation in our life, the very next verse following these eight beatitudes, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So blessed, all these eight things, uh, life lessons, how we walk out, and then, and, then he, and then he says this, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. It's so important that we connect these together. So Jesus didn't just Preach the eight Beatitudes, that's a message, and then go into being salt and light. They're flowing together. We have to connect them. This is key because Jesus is calling for a response to those Beatitudes for his church and from his believers and from you and I. He's motivating us by telling us this remarkable privilege. It's truly a privilege. It shouldn't be a weight. It shouldn't be a burden but this remarkable privilege that we have to be the very vessels that he uses to impact the world around us. Amen? So this is what, he, what, he, what he's called us to and where we're living at. So I'm going to break these down just a little bit. If you have a, if you have a notepad, if you have something to write with, um, I encourage you to do that. But so now he's calling us into this lifestyle, and, and here in, in this passage that we're looking at today in verses 13 through 16, Jesus reveals two privileges, two privileges and two warnings in this passage, verse 13 through 18. The privileges are to become the salt of the earth, one, and the second one is to be the light of the world. So let's talk about these for just a moment. I know it's a familiar passage, and most of us could kind of quote it, but I don't know that we've really dug in to truly grasp the fullness of what the Lord is saying to us in this, in this passage. So when he says, you are the salt of the earth, it's such a remarkable statement. The primary, the primary use of salt in, in the ancient world was to prevent decay. So he's saying, you are salt. And they understood that they understood this. It was for it was poor for it was for preserving meat first and foremost. And then secondly is for flavor. But understanding that that Jesus is talking to a people that understood the, the need for life that salt had that there was no refrigeration, right? So, so without it, the meat would spoil or the meat would, would decay. 
And and so so they would they would literally take their meat and they would they would they would pack the meat with salt and then that salt would 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 preserve the meat. This is so again this is so important because when Jesus spoke this the people understood what he was saying about salt. Uh, he's saying, if you so, if you were salt, then you were to prevent decay. Jesus is saying we are to be the salt of the earth, amen. And so, uh, and, and and that we would be the vessel which which made people hungry and thirsty for God. So we are we are literally. On the earth today, living out these eight Beatitudes, reflecting the life of Jesus, and in doing that, we are sought. So we are, we, are, we are part of him preserving, come on, mankind on this earth by reaching as many as we can. And in that, our life is full of him. It's salty. So we're releasing that on the earth, and, and, it, and it's causing people to begin to hunger and thirst for more of God. Isn't that beautiful? It's like Jesus saying, I will work through you, and people will be thirsty and hungry for me. Amen? And then he gives the warning, and I feel like this is what we need to really grab a hold of. So at first, the first privilege, he says, you're going to be the salt of the earth. And then he gives a warning to that, and he says this. He said, if the salt loses its flavor, then it will be good it will be good for, for nothing. Um, uh, other translations use the word saltiness. If, it, if the salt loses its saltiness. I kind of like, uh, I use the NKJV, so it uses flavor. But I really like saltiness because saltiness truly speaks of, then it loses its full purpose. Right? It's not just how it doesn't just make it taste good, but he's really, it, it will lose its purpose. If it loses its saltiness. So he says, be aware. This is what I've called you to. This privilege, like, and it truly is a privilege to be a vessel to stop decay on the earth, man. But, but he says, but it loses its flavor. You'll lose your saltiness and, and, and become good for nothing. And so we understand that he's, he's speaking in, in, he's speaking spiritually, right? So we'll be, we'll become good for nothing. In, in, in making a spiritual impact, guys, if we lose our saltiness, why do you think the enemy's number one goal is for you? Because he doesn't want you impactful. So he's going to get in here because this is where our battle is at. He's going to get in here, then he's going to get in here, and then everything that he can to cause us to lose our saltiness so that we're not impactful. So, so we've got to dig into that a little bit and, re, and understand what he's saying in the Scripture. And so the way we lose our saltiness, the way that we lose our flavor is by not living out the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. Amen? So Jesus makes it clear in these, in these three chapters, in chapter 5, 6, and 7, that there's, that there's no other way to keep your flavor, guys. Man, I feel like a lot of times we try to keep, create flavor on our own. We can be passionate, but there's no way. There's no way to stay flavorful, to stay salty, to stay impactful, other than doing it according to his word. 
And so this is what he makes clear here in 5, 6, and 7. And so it's walking out these eight beatitudes. It's, it's truly then with his help and with his grace uh, being able to resist these six temptations that we're going to talk about. And ultimately the way that we do that is by engaging the five disciplines that he gave us. I need, to, I need the church to understand that, that this is a radical lifestyle. Like what he was calling the, the, this, this, this crowd of believers to, it wasn't, it wasn't a passive, make sure that you love me and do the best you can and, and, and enjoy your life kind of life. It was, it was a sold out, full expense lifestyle. That he's calling us to live in a way that we can make an impact in this world. Amen? So, we, so he calls them first to be a privilege to be, to be salty. And then the warning in that not to lose your, not to lose your flavor. Or, then, or you're not going to be impactful in any way. And then, and then, uh, and then we, we, we dig down in here a little bit. The second privilege that he gives us is not only are you... Are, are you the salt of the earth? But he says, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. In other words, he says, you will be the primary means to reveal my will, my heart on earth. That's kind of heavy. But isn't it beautiful what he's called the church to partner with him on in this world. You will be the light. You'll be the light on the earth, the salt and the light in the world. You'll be my, you'll be my primary means to reveal my heart and my will on earth. You'll represent me. You're here to reflect me. You're going to be my, my light bearers because God is light, right? And that's part of the essence of who he is. Jesus said, I am the light of the world in, in the gospel of John chapter 8 and verse 12. And so, so his light is, is, is when we think about this also is more than just it's more than just information it has a it has a supernatural dimension of, of imparting his power so he's saying to believers you are you are vessels in which I will release my heart and my will through and I will also release my power through you I'm going to I'm going to fully impact the earth with and I don't have a plan b I've only got one plan, and it's you. My plan is to partner with my, with my children, with my sons and daughters, to be salt and light, to impact this world. Isn't that beautiful? And so he's saying, believers, you're the vessels in which I'm going to release my heart and will through, and I'll also release my power through you. You're to be the salt and the light. You're going to, you're going to uh, preserve, and you're going to reveal. You're going to preserve, and you're going to reveal my will. You're going to reveal my heart. You're going to reveal my glory. You're going to reveal my, you're going to reveal my power. Like this is, this is the reason why we're here to exist. Amen? And then just like with being salt, then he gives the warning that if we lose our saltiness, we'll, we'll, we'll become uh, completely un, un, unuseful. But then the same thing here with the light. 
Then he gives a second warning about that. And he says, don't put the light under a basket. Don't put the light under a basket. And I feel like we've kind of scratched the surface on that and what that means, but I don't know that we fully really dug down into it. And we often miss the meaning or, and, or the warning behind what Jesus was saying to his disciples here. And, and a lot of times when we think of, when we think of, uh, of, 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 of don't put your light under a basket and turning off the light. You know, we think of a we think of turning off our lamp with a with a light switch or or with the little turn knob. Or if some of you guys are are lucky enough, maybe you've got one of those clappers. I have no idea. I've always wanted. Does anyone have a clapper? Mary, can I borrow it just for a couple of days? I just always wanted to see what that was like. Right. So we think, yeah, this is how we, you know, we, 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 just, we turn off the light. But, but I want you to see something. There's such a powerful revelation in this scripture. And what Jesus is saying is you're my means to change the world. And you're going to do it because you're going to be salty, which means you're a preservative that keeps things alive. And then you're going to be my light. You're going to be, you're going to be the ones that reflect the fullness of who I am on earth until I return. So make sure that you're living this lifestyle, this, this Sermon on the Mount lifestyle, so that you're preserving your own saltiness. And then he says, make sure that you don't let your light go out. Now, this is what we have to understand and dig in a little bit deeper in this matter, is that we've got to keep in mind that when Jesus was speaking to this group of people, they didn't have electricity. So their minds didn't think of not being light the way that ours does, necessarily. So he's talking to these people that do not have electricity. So we're going to dig into that just a little bit. So what they have, they used oil lamps. They use lamps that they could, they could carry around wherever they're going, and then it's dark, and it's outside, and it gives them light, or wherever they go around the house, or they would have lampstands in the house that when they got to whatever room they wanted to be, then they would set that, that lamp on that lampstand, and it would burn. But I feel like where we kind of miss the link sometimes is the understanding of what that meant then and that day, and what was going on is they had these oil lamps. So they had these lamps full of oil with a wick in it and they would they would light that wick right and then that oil would begin to burn all the way up that wick and it would it would create the light amen so I don't have time to preach on it today I did mention it in the in the introduction October 1st but this also brings great revelation into what Jesus was talking to about the 10 virgins about keeping oil in their lamps Right? The five wise and the five foolish. And so, but when we take this and we look at it and we think about carrying around and not having electricity and having these oil lamps and that wick burning, right? And then what would put that wick out? Because this is what Jesus was, was talking about. And so, when we, when we look at it this way, um, we, we, we understand that... that uh, they use these oil lamps that keep them burning. And then Jesus is saying, you can light the lamp and you can carry it around to give light. Or you can put it under a bushel or under a basket. But if you put it, if you put it under a bushel, then not only, not only will it not be seen, but the fire's going to go out. That's the missing link from what we think a lot of times 
as not of letting the light go out. Because we think of electricity, but with electricity, you can just turn it back on. But we've got to connect this to who Jesus was talking about and the importance of what would happen. Because it wasn't just putting, letting a little covering come over you so that you're not as bright tomorrow, uh, today as you, or as you was yesterday or whatever or just kind of dimming the light. No, he is saying, be careful not to let anything get over you because if you do, what it'll do is it will literally smother out the light and the life inside of you. Come on, somebody. And this is kind of our everyday life and our everyday world of protecting that light and protecting that, that, that fire. He's saying, basically, if you allow anything to get over you, come on, that's not supposed to be there, then it will ultimately suffocate the flame. It's not that you just will hide the light a little bit, but it's going to put the light out. So this reference, again, wasn't just about hiding light. It was about putting the light out. You don't make sure that you don't let anything suffocate the flame inside of you. How many know there's a lot of things that happen in our life that have a high probability of suffocating the light inside of us? Come on, man. And it's like, but, but this is so beautiful, and this is why the sermon wasn't just chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. This is why the sermon was chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7, because he understood what we would go through with each other, with the world, in our own life, in our marriages, in our struggle with sin, and whatever that it was. So he gave us this full sermon that would not only help keep us lit and on fire, come on, and salty, but he gave us everything that we would need to come back there and reignite that flame again. Like I read this and I've been studying it over and over and over and over again, chapters 5, 6, and 7, and it, it's, it's encouraged me, it's instructed me, it's convicted me, I've had to repent, come on. And that's the beauty in what he's calling us to is we have this lifestyle of these beatitudes and, and the rest of the word in there and this reality that that's my aim every day. I want to be salty. I want to be salty. I want to be flavorful. I want to be a preservative that helps keep things alive, man. I want to be a light. I want to be a reflection of his glory. And then in the pursuit of that, man, there's things that come in sometimes that can begin to hover over us like that bushel, right, that's not just going to hide the light, but literally literally snuff or suffocate the flame inside of us. And it's where we walk in this reality hand in hand with Jesus and knowing the grace that we have in him and thank the Lord for the help of the Holy Spirit that when we recognize these areas of our life that we're short, that we can call on his name. That we can invite the Holy Spirit to blow on that wick. Come on, if it's beginning to smoke, if it's beginning to kind of smother a little bit, that we're like, Lord, forgive me, help me, pull me out of this. Set me right, make me right, Lord. I lay this at your feet. Breathe on me, Lord. Come on. So when you look at these together, and not, not just 
not just verses 13 through 16, but if you connect those like we did to the, to the Beatitudes, you, you, you hear what he's saying is, is that, guys, you are, the, you are the light of the world. It's important. It's important that you protect the light, that you keep it burning, that you, that you take a public stand for what you believe because the light is for everyone around you. Amen? And then he gives the, the warning to don't allow the fire in your life to be extinguished. And Jesus is still talking about the Beatitudes, still talking about uh, and about to bring into in, with this message the six temptations and the five spiritual disciplines. It's like we've got we've to connect it all to be in salt and light. So he's saying, don't, don't look for another way. There's no other way to be salt in light. This is the way forward. It's my, it's my way. It's according to my word. It's what, this lifestyle that I've called you into. So we got this. We have this amazing privilege to fully represent God and to be dispensers of his power and to stop decay, to, to embrace to embrace his word, to embrace these beatitudes, to embrace the whole sermon. And then and ultimately he says, I think in verse 19, in chapter 5 and verse 19, he says uh, not only to follow it, but to teach it. And that's part of being the salt in the light. Not only to follow, but then he, then he gives this great promise, and maybe I'll speak on this later, but then he, say, he talks about how you'll be great. In heaven, those who those who um, those who follow my pattern and follow my word, and not only follow it and uphold it, but they teach it and they share it and they reflect it, will be great in heaven. What an amazing promise that he gives us, Amen! You shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So this is what he's this is what he's called us into, and so so we're at this place of of the direction and the blueprint of of living out and walking out the lifestyle of of the beatitudes in full, and then then stepping into this beautiful privilege that he's given us to be salt and light, and then and then recognizing and being sensitive to the warnings of making sure that we're living in a way that we're not losing our saltiness and we're not allowing the flame in our life to be suffocated anyway. So, so you think about it then, when you read the scripture, like what's that look like? How do, we, how, how, do, how do we maintain our flavor? How do we maintain our saltiness? And again, he, he laid it out here for us, but man, it's, it's godly character. It's, it's we're, we're living in the truth, amen? It's, our, it's, it's making sure that our life is molded by his blueprint. And again, this, this, this lifestyle isn't even popular in the church today, really. Amen? So let's hear what God's saying to Boonville Worship Center. Let's hear what God is saying to Boonville Worship Center. 
in this powerful sermon, in the place, the place that he's calling us to in him as a individually, as a believer, and then corporately as a body of Christ, that we are hearing the heart of God, of him calling us into this place of, 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 of not building our own life or building our own ministry or, or building our own church, but, but, uh, but him building his church and his kingdom through us. Really, the heart, I feel like, of the Sermon of the Mount and where it cuts people the most and why it's not even popular in the church because the Sermon in the Mount is about His kingdom and not my kingdom. But ultimately, what I want to do is I want Jesus, I want Him in my life, I want Him to love me, I want His benefits, I want His promises, I want my family to go to heaven, but yet I want to live in my kingdom. I really want a lot of this world and life to be about me. This, this Sermon on the Mount lifestyle is costly. It's like salvation is free by the grace of God and His mercy and what He did for us. But, but being living an anointed life... And living a life where your life is salty for your family and for your friends and everyone that you're around. And, 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 and having a flame that's coming out of your life. Come on, man. Where you're making an impact and you're not suffocating that flame. It is costly to your flesh. It is painful to the flesh. You have to not only daily but often minute by minute let your flesh be crucified and be reminded that this isn't about you. And it's not about me. That it's not about your ministry. That it's not about our church. Everything that he's called us to do is about one thing, and it's about his kingdom. And this lifestyle that he's called us into, if we could truly like step into the full, like, like even the, well, I, I don't want to preach the disciplines because I'm not there yet. But you know what? If you get in Scripture, you will see that Jesus didn't just give you an invitation to fast. He actually called you to a fasted lifestyle. Amen. It's part, it's part of the flesh, of killing the flesh. It's part of the sacrifice. It's part of blowing on that flame in our life. It's part of, of, of even increasing our saltiness is a fasted lifestyle, fully devoted and committed to him and all these other different areas. And man, this is just this place that if we want our individual life to be impactful, there's no other way to be salty. There's no other way to be light. You can, you, can, you, can, you can shine up your gift all you want. But your gift is not going to relieve saltiness. You can shine up your gift or whatever that it is and expand it and grow it and all of these kinds of things and not have absolutely any light coming out of you. So this is our heart. This is where, this is where God, and this is, this is a vulnerable. This is, this is a vulnerable place for us to be as a church. But, man, the life that comes out of it. 
So we, we have godly character. We live for the truth. Our life is molded by his blueprint. Um, we stand for the message of Jesus, and not just the ones that are, that are comfortable, the ones that fit, but we're standing for the truth. Amen? The full truth. So we, re, we, we receive it, we release it, uh, we share it, and our lives demonstrate his power. They, they see the fullness of him in his word in action through us. This is what he's called us to. You know the amazing thing about it is the proof, the proof that it works is that these fishermen and those around them changed the world in their generation as they walked this out. Amen? And they lived a life. They lived a life that was about the kingdom of heaven and not a life that was about them. Help us, Lord. So the Lord says if you if you negotiate these truths, if you, don't, if you don't uphold this lifestyle, grab a hold of this, guys. He loves us so much to prune us. He loves us so much to discipline us because he's got so much for us. So the Lord says, if you, if you negotiate these truths, if you don't uphold this lifestyle, your salt has lost its flavor. You're, a, you're an oil lamp that's under a bushel, and the flame has been suffocated. No matter how sincere you are, you're, you're not going to make an impact when you've lost your saltiness and your flame has been suffocated. We don't have the option to negotiate what Jesus has said, do we? It's like, let's just get to this place. If, if he said it, we say it. If he didn't say it, we don't say it. We're going to be loyal to him. We're going to be loyal to the fullness of his word and what he's called us into. And if you're the only one in that moment, in that group, or in that place that's doing it, your eyes are locked with him. Amen? That's the lifestyle that he's called us to. Come on. That's where our saltiness and our light comes from. That's what, that's what separates the wheat from the tares. Okay, everybody good? Because <clears throat> I'm kind of going to switch gears just a little bit about, about this lifestyle that he's called us into and the purpose that we have in life right now, in this world. And so we need to, we need to have a mindset that's not afraid to challenge the status quo. Because what's he called you to be? Salt and light. So if you're going to be salt and light, you're going to be in places that are dark and dying. So if we, we've kind of walked through the warnings that he gave us to keep our saltiness, to make sure nothing suffocates our flame. But now, now we're going to look into what, what was he inviting us into? Like what was he really inviting us into? And so when we hear that and we get that, then we've got to, again, have this mindset that's not afraid to challenge the status quo. We have to be, in other words, maybe, maybe like this, like we've got to be resistance thinkers. We have to make sure that, that what we're engaging in, what we're hearing, what we're releasing, that it's faithful to the Scripture. 
that it goes beyond emotion, that it goes beyond everything of the flesh, come on, and that, it, that, that we're coming to a place where it's faithful to Scripture because that's the only thing that's going to bring flavor, come on, right, in life and light and truth into, into situations around us. So this is where, where he's called us to. So, uh, so I want to kind of talk about this then because now we're, now we're stepping out beyond ourselves. We're, we're recognizing that, that you, you realize that all of us have a teaching gift. Like everyone has a teaching gift. Some of you are like, that is not me. You have a teaching gift. You might not have a microphone gift. You might not have a platform gift. See, a lot of times we, we read this and we think of the masses. We think of the, the Louise Palau crusades. But you got to understand, Jesus was, was speaking up on a mountain to thousands of his followers, born-again believers, and he's given this message to every one of them. And he's saying, here's the lifestyle that I want you to live, and as you live it, it's going to empower you. And then there's going to be a lot of things I'm going to call each of you to do individually, places that I'm going to call each of you to go that's going to be differently, but there's going to be one thing that's consistent with every one of you as my disciples, and that is you're going to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And the only way that we can be salty and to be light is to be reflecting and releasing his word out of us. And again, in Matthew chapter 5 and 19, he says, uh, he says those, those who, who fulfill this command of mine, who fulfill this purpose of mine, and then those who speak it, those who teach it, will be called great in heaven. We need to begin to understand the influence that he has given you, the calling that he's placed on you, so that when you're sitting at the soccer field, mama, right next to another mama that's hurting, you are in that moment. You have a, your number one purpose in that moment is to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And you don't have to have a sermon prepared with, with 16 steps and three poems and a hoop to jump over and 97,000 scripture verses because you've got the truth inside of you. So you sit there in that moment and you just say, can I just tell you about the goodness of my God and how much he loves you? And can I pray over you? Because I just feel the Father's heart. I just feel his overwhelming love for you and that he just wants to touch your life right now. And all of a sudden, in that moment, in that moment, you begin to step in to this commission and to this calling of, of, of the great commission, right? And being the salt of the earth and the light of, of, of the world. And so this is, this, is the, this, is what he's, this is the lifestyle that he's calling us into. This is our this is our number one ministry, every one of us. There's such an emphasis on the highlighted ministries. I'm called to I'm called to preach. I'm called to be a, a, a teacher in the church. I'm called to be a worship leader. I'm called to youth minister. I'm called to children's ministry. I'm called to outreach. All of those different things are fingers of this, branches of this, out of his corporate body and his bride and the church. But I'm going to tell you something. If you miss, if you miss your primary purpose and calling on life, the other ones aren't going to be as effective as they could. Because ultimately, your number one calling as a child of God is to be the 
salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's your individual walk with God and keeping that flame burning and how he releases out of you. That is, that is his purpose for each and every one of us as a believer. Amen? And then I want to think about this and maybe talk about this for just a moment. And we'll have, we'll have prayer time here in just a minute. But um, we, we, need to, we need to have a mindset that's not afraid, again, to challenge this, this status quo and be resistance thinkers. And so, um, and even, even in maintaining our flame, in maintaining our saltiness, these, these two areas I feel like are pivotal for us to get. We have to be, <clears throat> we have to be against the world, yet we've got to be for the world. <sighs> we have to be against the world. What's that mean? It doesn't mean that you're hateful on Facebook about people that aren't living for God that don't know any better. It said, what this means is, it says in James 4, 4, it says, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So I want you to grab a hold of this. This is part of the lifestyle. Because if we're the salt, if we're the salt of the earth, man, and if we're the light of the world, then we, we're, 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 living, we're, living, we're living this called out, separated lifestyle. And so we've got to be against the world in the way, in, 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 in the way that we're, we're fully against the ways of the world. We're full against, fully against all the patterns and the culture of the world that are that are opposite of God's will and God's plan and God's design. Everything that's opposite of God's heart, we got to be, we're, we're separate from that. We're distanced from that. We're not friends with that stuff. In other words, Jesus is saying, man, you can't have two masters, right? He goes on here in the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the things that he's going to bring up, and, and that's what he's really calling us here to. If we're going to maintain our saltiness, and if we're going to be a light in the world, then we can't serve two masters, man. We can't have no other God before him. We can't be living in idolatry where we're, we're, we're loving on him one moment, but then yet we're cuddling the world the next moment. So, so we We've got to come to this place of we're going to truly make an impact that we've got to be against the world. We've got, to, we've got to be shaken by the things of the world because as you do, it will lead you to spiritual mourning. Matter of fact, I'm convinced that until you really allow your eyes to be open to the hurt and the pain and the sin and the culture of this world and what it's doing, you're not going to spiritually mourn. But when we step into this and are calling to be the salt, man, and the light, and we recognize how that's infiltrating our homes, it's infiltrating our marriages, it's infiltrating our children and our teenagers with all the, the, the just everything that's out there and the culture of it, man, it, it should stir inside of you a spiritual morning that will drive you on your face before God. In no way, in any form, to grab a hold of anything that's evil. That's part of it. And then, with that, 
So that's, a, that's our mindset that we're stepping into as we're stepping into the world. We're, we got our, we're being cautious that we're not going to let anything put our fire out. And then we have to be for the world. Like the body of Christ as salt and light is the number one champion for the world. The number one champion for the world. But that's for people. So what the, what, what is, what, what's this looking like? In here is that we're 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 calling we're calling out for it we're working for it we're we, we're we're for it we're for the people for the cities for the regions uh, for the nations for the people and so so now I'm living in this place Miss Crystal where where uh, where I'm walking in this journey of this this radical lifestyle of living for God that He's called me to and then yet everything in the world is changing what used to be what 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 what. I mean, what what used to be modest is now it's gone. There's no modesty today. And we're calling evil good and we're calling good evil. And and and, and can I can I just say, listen, that because if you're gonna you gotta understand what you're what you're bringing salt to and what you're releasing light to. So there's kind of two different ships. When, with the church, when they look at the world and the culture, and one, one, one way they'll look at, the, look at the church and they'll be like, um, uh, or, or the world, I mean, and be like, man, it's lost. It's hopeless. So why, why, why polish a sinking ship? I'm just going to take care of me and make sure I get saved. And that's one of the quickest ways to lose your saltiness and to suffocate the flame in your life. And then the other, the other, the other direction is 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 the is the the um, the the you know the ultimate victory of the Lord and 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 just knowing that He's going to fight the battles, so it's going to be okay. And but but both both ways cause us to just live our life for ourselves, and that's not a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. Here's what ultimately is going to happen. I got good news and bad news. The good news is when you study the scripture and the Lord says, in the last days, in the last days, my light is going to increase. That's good news. Here's the bad news. Jesus says in the last days, darkness is going to increase. So we're going to have an increase of darkness, and we're going to have an increase of light. We're going to have an increase of darkness, and we're going to have to have an increase of light. Are you, are you tracking along with me? Because what I'm saying is, is that as a church, and as the church, and through the years it's continued, to me, to me through, the, through the last decade or so, the church has drifted more towards places of compromise and more towards the areas of darkness on what we're accepting as right in our homes, what we're allowing our children to watch and see and wear and go to and what's now sin and what's not sin, like Jesus somehow changed his mind, right? 
And Jesus is so good, he's saying, guys, I've got something great for you, and I'm going to release my glory on the earth. But I'm telling you, in the end days, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get more difficult because, because darkness is going to increase. You're going to have to draw a line. You're going to have to put some barriers around your life to make sure that nothing is going to, is going to do anything that could cause you to lose your saltiness, man. You're going to have to lock eyes with me. You're going to have to get in these eight beatitudes. I've been, again, I just, I've been every day, I'm learning to just be able to quote all the eight beatitudes and say, Scott, where are you at here, man? Where are you at in this? And I'm, and, and, and I'm, and then there, there's days where I'll look at one, I'll be like, man, I don't know. I don't think I did that right. Then I'll be like, God, forgive me, man. I don't want my saltiness gone. I don't want my light gone. And I repent and I'm like, Lord, help me. Bring me into this lifestyle, Lord. And then we go out into the world, and, and then and the, this world that we're supposed to be impacting, I don't know, guys, it seems like the world's impacting us more than we're impacting it. Like, am I off or not? It's just kind of how I feel. And it's hard, especially hard if you're raising kids. It's especially hard if you're raising teenagers. Because the, because the light is supposed to get lighter, but the dark is getting darker there's a more area of compromise in the middle now. And your children are not going to fully understand this radical, sold-out lifestyle necessarily that they're being called to unless you show them and teach them and, and, and help them uphold it. Because when they walk out these doors, it's the complete opposite. Your kids will be the only the, your teenage girl, she'll be the only 13 or 14-year-old in all of history that didn't get to go to the movies on Friday night. And you're going to have to fight that battle. She's going to cry. And there's really nothing that moves me like my daughter's crying. Come on. She's going to cry. But mom and dad, listen, I don't, every, everyone's going. It's just a movie. There's adults everywhere. We're going to see Pluto. Mom and dad, they are not going to see Pluto. Bless their hearts. Now I'm just saying, man, we need to, we need to, but, but, but here's the problem. Mom. Why don't we get a fire inside of us so that we're not just disciplining our children and showing them how to live? But why don't we just let them get, get, get around us and let them feel the heartbeat of God so they can see the fruitfulness of this radical lifestyle and the ultimate joy and peace and God's purposes in it, man. Come on. So it's, yeah, it's like, man, I'm learning to hate, hate evil, hate evil, hate everything, hate the very stench of evil. Get out of this place where we're like, eh, how evil is this? Is God okay with this or is it not? Is he okay with this? Get, hate evil. Begin to hate the things of the world and in no way come in any partnership with the things of the world. Get your eyes locked on eternity and on the things of the kingdom and the ultimate plan and purpose for your life. I look at these young men, and, and, and in the world's view, uh, you're all just going to have to forgive me in this, but in the world's view, it's going to be 100% unnatural and probably not even right if they get married as virgins.
true. They'll be thought of as weird or backward or something, but I'm telling you, you are anointed and you are called and you are powerful and God's anointing and calling on your life and what he can fulfill through you in your days to come and your relationship with the wife will be so greater and so much more anointed than anything that you could give into your flesh before that day. It's like, man, if we could just walk with our young people and begin to help them and understand, and even the feelings and the emotions and desires and the naturalness of some of that, but yet how to, how to balance it out and how to control it and how to lock eyes ultimately on the purpose of God. I didn't quite plan on crossing that bridge, but now I'm over and I don't know how to back up. <laughs> Amen. Come on, moms and dads. You better know what's on your kids' phones. <clears throat> You, it, you better know what's on their phones. Man, if they're in your house, I don't know that I would have any realm of privacy. They shouldn't have anything to hide anyways. You're not hurting them. You're protecting them. I'm just telling you, man, God's calling this place. And in, in, the, in the last days, think the, the world's going to get darker. His kingdom's going to get brighter. Man, I want to be on the brighter side. And, th- and this whole Sermon on the Mount is a radical lifestyle to not live in any great areas, man. It is, it is a sold-out, all-out, full blast, man. I really don't want to take this time right now and apologize to all the teenagers that wanted to go to the movies next week. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, hey, if you want, come to my house. We'll have a, a hot dog roast, and bonfire, marshmallows. We'll have fun. I invite you over from 5 to 6, one hour. That's all I got. That's all, that's all I <laughs> So I can do. Amen. You guys, I've been consuming this for a month. And sometimes it's really hard to get out all that you've consumed on your own. So are you guys catching it? Are you getting a hold or you feel like God's been releasing into me? Jesus calls every believer to be to bear the cross of self-denial in their life. Matter of fact, in Luke 14, Jesus says, if you don't live in self-denial, you're not my disciple. Jesus is like, if you, don't live a, if you don't live a lifestyle of self-denial, you're not my disciple. This is Jesus' words, and he says, if you don't live a lifestyle of self-denial, you're not my disciple. That's not popular at all. That's not, that's not even popular in the church. But this is, the, this is a kingdom. Says, I'm calling this group of people to release my kingdom, heaven on earth. Got to step into this thing. Isn't it amazing? It's living out and holding true to my words. It's walking out the eight beatitudes. And so let me close with this. Here's my point. <coughs> Coming out of the eight beatitudes... The very next verse is, is you're going to be the salt of the earth and you're going to be the light of the world. Jesus knew that we would battle our flesh, so he gave us two warnings. And he said, be careful that you don't lose your saltiness. Anything that's outside of him, you lose your saltiness. And then he says, be careful not to let anything over your life that will suffocate the flame. Not just put the light out but or dim it but that it'll put, that'll put it out. And so here we are, my point in this 
I feel like where he has us at now, and then we'll, ca- we'll carry on Wednesday night, but <clears throat> is that we are called to invade every sphere of society and to challenge the culture. It's what he was calling his, he equipped them, he empowered them with the lifestyle, here's how you're going to live it out. And then he says, I'm calling you to invade every sphere of society and to challenge the culture. But in doing so, don't blend in to be like them to win them. I need you to understand, Jesus didn't blend in to win them. Jesus was not a friend of the world. He didn't go sit with those drinking and have a drink as to have a, a, a way for them to relate better to him. Come on. He was, he was not a friend of the world in any way. In no way was he a friend of any of the ways of the world. It's the very, the ways of the world are the very things that he paid for and shed his blood for on the cross. But he did love the world, the people, not the culture, not the ways, but the people unto death. And then, and then unto resurrection, and then now we've been empowered to be his representatives on, on, on earth. And this is where he has us at. He has us now fulfilling his plan and his purpose and making an impact. And he's calling us to this place of, of, of going and invading every sphere of society, but, 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 but not blending in with them. Like we have, to, we have to maintain our distinctiveness. We have to maintain our distinctiveness. Do you have a distinctiveness about you? Do you have a distinctiveness about you? You should have a distinctiveness about you. I believe, I believe the glory of the Lord and the anointing of the Lord is distinctive. And I believe that when, when, when that flame is burning and you all are salty, there's a distinctiveness about it. I'm not talking about your smell. Some of you have a distinct smell. And I don't really, like, I, look, I don't know why I wore this today. I kind of look preachy today. I thought I would just look nice for my wife if she's watching because I miss her real bad. And Hey, baby. But I I completely lost my train of thought, Miss Susie. I I don't know why. That was that was probably my flesh that did that. Oh, I was at, I was uh, last year. My mom was in the hospital, this or that, and and I got on the elevator, and I'm I've got, I mean I I, I had blue jeans on. Like I had my cowboy boots on. Had a hoodie on. I was just me. I get in the elevator. And, and this lady, she gets in there. I think there's multiple people in there. And we get up there, and it's stopping. I'm, you know, I'm always in a hurry, so I'm kind of a little bit annoyed. But I, went, I mean, I was just standing there like this because isn't it awkward to be in an elevator? Um, I know I'm supposed to be salt and light in there, but I usually just kind of look down because I don't really want to make eye contact with anybody. It's just kind of a strange thing. But uh, So anyways, there I am. But a lady speaks up, and she says, are you a pastor? And I'm like, no, yeah. Well, it all depends. <clears throat> what do you want right now? No. 
And so, again, I, did, I wasn't there for a visitation, a church visitation where I, one, if I come and visit you, I'm not wearing a suit. I love you, but there's no greater anointing with the suit on, so just step over that, that thing. But um, So I did, I, it's not like I had a suit on or like a chaplain's bed. I've done chaplain in the hospital before. And I was, I was, I just, I, was, I should have been blending in. And the lady, the lady says something and asks me, uh, if I'm a pastor, and then and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, how do you know? It's like, do 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 you, have you been to church? You rec- you know, but I, I'm just like, how do you know? And she's like, I just felt it. And I'm like, ah, oh, must be the hoodie. I don't know. And then and then the door opens and we step out and and then I'm just like, well, there had to be a reason why. There had to be a reason why out of everybody on that elevator, and I didn't have anything identifying me. I don't feel like I look real pastoral. Some, some preachers look preachery with the hair, everything. But I don't. Anyways, my point is, when you're working in those yards this week, Lucas, and you're out there doing landscaping for the glory of God, let there be a distinctiveness about you. Come on, moms. If you go shopping today, let there be a distinctiveness about you. And if you get on an elevator, try to look up, make eye contact. Don't be like me. But let there be a distinctiveness about you. And then don't be weird. Is that okay? I didn't feel like going there either, but don't be weird. Don't be weird. Don't cause a scene. Don't get loud. Is that okay? I mean, if the glory falls and things just erupt in the place, then you can't let, 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 it, let that go. Just be you. Be genuine. Because he's called you salt and light. So you don't have to do, you don't have to do anything other than being you. That's all you got to do. I think we can have some courses and classes to help us, but ultimately, you don't have to do anything but be you because he has made you distinct. He has anointed you for this moment in life, in history, to be his salt and to be his life. And as long as you are maintaining your saltiness and you are living and you have a pure heart and you're living in meekness and you're fulfilling in that lifestyle and you're not letting anything hover over you that would that would suffocate that flame in your life, then there needs to be a distinctiveness in this world. I I, I hear this, and I just think, man, what a great opportunity that God's called the church into. But I'll close with this. I, I've, I've went on rabbit trails today, didn't I? My goodness. Been good, though, I think. Well, not you guys, but it's a radical lifestyle, and it's not a lifestyle about you. It's going to be about you and about him for all of eternity. Right now, as born-again believers, everything that we do should be about the kingdom of God. And even as we work, it's about the kingdom of God. And even as we relate with our friends, it's about the kingdom of God. And even as we're doing our extracurricular activities, it's still about the kingdom of God. Because anything and everywhere we do then, we are living with this reality. Am I lining up with the eight Beatitudes? Am I resisting these six temptations? Am I, am I uh, engaged in these five spiritual disciplines to maintain my strength? Come on, man. And, and am, I, am I keeping my, my life salty? And am I keeping that flame burning? 
And in doing that, then you're going to be the salt of the earth, right, and the light of the world. Isn't it so good? Amen. Let's pray together. I think maybe, Craig, if you want to come or one, yeah. And, um, I want to just give you, give, it, give you a chance to pray if you need to. We're going to pray this over us as a house. And then I want to, <clears throat> I want to invite you uh, uh, here Wednesday night, if you can. We're going to go into part five. And then next Sunday, I'm going to come back and we're going to dig in deeper into this message and just really hear the heart of the Lord for this house. But amen. I want to look like him, don't you? And I want to live by his design. And I want my home to be a reflection of his glory. And my home being a reflection of his glory starts with me. And then it starts with my marriage. And then it starts with my children. And everything is going to flow out of that, out of that place. And God's calling us this beautiful invitation to live this lifestyle of being sold out for him and being salt and being light. Amen? Amen. So you stand with me. I feel like I think I know where the Holy Spirit's leading, leading me right now in this, uh, maybe this author invitation is, um, <clears throat> maintaining that saltiness and maybe, maybe even relighting that flame and maybe that flame isn't out, but maybe it's just kind of flickering a little bit and you need the Holy Spirit to breathe on it. Maybe there's, there's just something, something that's kind of hovering over your life, a situation over you, over your family, over something that, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not come all the way over the top of you yet, but man, it's, it's partially there. It's start, it's starting to suffocate that flame. You can, the wick is, it's flicking. Come on, don't, don't play with that thing any longer. Don't, don't wait until that thing gets all the way over it, man, and suffocates the flame. Get that thing off of that, get that thing off today and release it to the Lord. Amen? And step into this lifestyle that he's called us to. So I think I'll just have Craig lead us in worship. I want to I want to open up the altar for you to come and just pray. If you know there's things that's been impacting your life and your influence and in living this lifestyle. And you want to come and kneel at this altar and be alone, we want to give you that opportunity. If you want to come and receive prayer for something, uh, then you come down here front, myself, Pastor Jason, Julianne, some of the elders, we'll, we'll agree with you together. But let's just take a little bit and, and seek the Lord, and then we'll close in prayer. Brother Craig. So I throw my hands, praise you again and again. All that I have is
let's just give the Lord a praise offering for his word and what he's speaking and releasing into us. Amen. And, uh, and I, I just take, I just want to invite you into to this prayer with me, okay? If you would give me a segment. Can we just pray, pray this, pray this passage over us? So let me just thank you for what you're doing. You're so good. You know right where we're at individually. You know where we're at as a church. You have the answer for our personal life. You have the answer for our church. You have the answer for this city. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for this lifestyle that you've invited us into, God. Lord, I pray over every individual, every couple, every family. I pray, God, that Boonville Worship Center is a place that you are calling in deeper <clears throat> to not live in a place of compromise, that we're, that we're <clears throat> uh, uh, living a, a life that of, of self-denial to our flesh, that we're willing to step into this radical lifestyle, God, this kingdom lifestyle of the Sermon on the Mount, God, that's fully, fully committed and devoted to you, that, that our lives are governed and led through these beings attitudes, God, and that in that, Lord, that we step in to this ultimate calling and purpose that we have, God, to be to be your salt, to be your light, to be the salt of the earth, and to be the light of the world. And it's not our church as a whole, God, and only there. It's not our ministry, God. It's each one of us individually, just as sons and daughters, that we've been called into this radical lifestyle to live out every day, to be salty and to be light in every step that we take, God. So, Lord, right now I pray into this house, and I pray into that saltiness, God, that, Lord, if there are, if there are things in individuals' lives today, and I know there are in all of us, that are causing us to lose flavor, causing us to lose our saltiness, that, Holy Spirit, you reveal those things to us right now. And that we lay, we lay that stuff at your feet right now, God. We refuse to allow those things to steal our flavor and our purpose, God, in this earth. Restore our saltiness. Restore our flavor in fullness in Jesus' name. And God, we are the light of the world. And so I pray right now, Lord, that God, whatever might be hovering over us, Whatever might be covering over that flame in our life that could that could be causing that flame to fl flicker, God. We refuse to allow that bushel to come all the way down, and we push it off right now, and we lay it at your feet in Jesus' name. We refuse to allow that thing to suffocate the fire of God, the fire of God in our life, Lord. We give it to you. And now we pray, God, you are a consuming fire. Your word says you are a consuming fire. And we invite you right now to come and consume us, Lord. We invite you right now to come and consume everything in our life that would be a hindrance to your fire. Lord, burn it out of me right now. Every desire that's not of you, every sin, God, every hurt, every pain, every unforgiveness, God, whatever that may be, Lord, I invite you, God, to burn it out of my life. Come, Lord, and consume me, Lord. Let me be consumed with your fire, that I can be part of the light of the world. I love your word. As you finish out this particular area, and you say, a, you say a, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And I love the beauty in that. 
Because our light individually shines bright. But when we stand together, when we stand together, when we truly stand together in this lifestyle that you've called us to, God, it's a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And that's what we pray over us individually and as a house. And we give you all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.